our voices and worship the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Let's give God some praise from our hearts today.
that I have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and on the way to heaven. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? God's good all the time. My, 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 I wish the whole world could have heard that message this morning. Thank God for the preacher. Thank God for truth. Lord bless Brother Looper. Help him to keep preaching the truth. Hallelujah. We want to pray for Brother Ron Frazier tonight and Richard Quillen. Ask God to touch him. We want to pray for the whole church family. Everyone. We want to pray for Laurie Bowles and Brother Steve Jackson and all that are sick. God knows more than able. But let's invite God to have his way in this service here tonight. Let's love him, church. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, your word is true. And your grace is sufficient. God, we stand in on your grace. God, remember all the church family, Lord. All my brothers and sisters, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Touch them. Keep your hand up on them, Lord. Keep it Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated if you like. You won't just set the offering pans. And if the brothers would, just set the offering pans on the altar. And then let's bring our offering if you would. Come on. Glory. Don't forget, when you sit down, try to spread out the best that you possibly can. Don't congregate together. It's coming, but let me say this. I know we don't supposed to have a proud spirit, but I tell you, a man of God that'll preach a message like that, I'm proud to call him my pastor. 
Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, why don't we take a moment and just worship and praise and glorify our great God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. It feels good in the house of God tonight. Amen. It might feel so good because this is the largest crowd I've seen in quite a while. But uh, we're glad that you're in the house of the Lord tonight. And we want to welcome all of those who are joining us at home uh, on the Internet. I ask you, as I did this morning, if you were listening, please make this church at home. You can be seated for a few moments. Make this church at home. Gather around, gather around the uh, iPhone or Android or whatever. If you're one of those that would have an Android, but I know you probably don't want anybody to know it. But anyway, if you gather around the phone, turn up the volume, and let's have church tonight. Amen. Take off your hat, get your Bible, get ready to run up and down the hallway of the house, jump over the couch. Throw the rocking chair upside down. Kick the garbage can out in the yard. And run around the yard. Do whatever. But let's have church tonight. Amen. 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 God's worthy of our very best praise. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. It's good to be in God's house. So thankful for the presence morning that we were able to enjoy in the house of God. Appreciate the response and all the positive texts that I received after the services today. Thank you very much. That's always encouraging. And uh, thank you for that, your faithfulness uh, to the work of God. And um, we will have church here Wednesday night. Uh, we will have one service Wednesday night. So it's going to be open to uh, the first 50 people that get here. Anything over 50 would have to sit in the lobby or uh, in the prayer rooms or whatever. Uh, But we will just have one service Wednesday night. So remember that. That will start at uh, 7.30 just like normal. We'll be here early for prayer. You might want to be here early to get your name on the list. And um, what we will do is uh, we'll have a sign-up sheet when you come in the door, sign your name on it, what time you get here. And then if the, uh, if the list is full when you get here, uh, you can sit in the lobby or whatever. We're trying our best to uh, get along with everybody the best that we possibly can. So let's work together in doing that. And uh, Sunday, I, I am thinking about this. Uh, Sunday, I still have not decided for sure. I, I don't know about this outside church because they want people to stay in their cars. And I don't know if, if, if we can all stay in the car or not. And, uh, I think that would be a little bit difficult to do. And, um, cause when the Holy Ghost gets moving, it's hard to be still. 
And we certainly don't want anybody running the aisles in their car. That could get dangerous. So I am, I am looking for some that are uh, concerned about coming into the building. Uh, this could go on a long time. I was listening to the president before service, and um, it looks like that we're in this for a long time. And uh, I want other people, I, I would just like people just to come to the church, just come get on the property and uh, be a part of a service. So if I do that, we will have one service like it's Sunday at 10, 10 o'clock, 1030, somewhere in there. I am not sure on that. There will be more information on that Wednesday night and more information um, uh, Sunday. I mean, um more information by text and so um, I'm just still praying about that trying to feel after God on those things and um, then we might if this goes on for a long period of time we will continue services as scheduled like we're doing now busting up the the church and boy that's busting up the church that don't sound good having the church to come at different times because I I just still don't, you know, know if we can get all we need um, having church that way. I'm just very concerned about it, and uh, so we will go back to the the original way that we have planned. Uh, but we might, if it goes on for a continued time, we might have one or two services like that a month, and uh, to get. A larger group together where we can all be together at one time and if we are sitting in our cars at least we are together at the house of God it's just uh, new territory it's waters that I've never swam in before and uh, so we're trying to move cautiously and um, godly also in the fear of God and uh, to do the right thing and the last thing I want to do is to endanger people. And uh, I know us gathering together is dangerous. I don't know how it's any more dangerous than anything else that we do, but I know it is dangerous. And I also know that it is spiritually dangerous if we do not come together and have church. And I think that is, that is more dangerous than the other option. And so we are weighing those, and, and uh, I will make a decision on that this week. But church will be here Wednesday night. One service Wednesday night at 730. Be here early for prayer, and uh, let's come together and believe God to do something great in our midst. And uh, I, tell you, I tell you what I would like you to do. This is what I would like you to do. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't want to stop anyone from coming to the house of God or get here and the place be full and you can't get in. We have the amount of people. If you plan on coming to church Wednesday night, if you would uh, text, you can text the church phone. Is that correct? The text the church phone number. Uh, anybody, everybody know the church phone number? Four three 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 four and three threes. So remember that. Text the phone number of the church and let them know that you're coming and your family or how many's coming with you. 
and uh, we will decide if we're going to have two services or one service because I don't want anyone uh, to be out out of church that wants to attend church. And so that's the way we will do that. And uh, so remember that, do that uh, by tomorrow or sometime tomorrow and uh, report in and let us know if you will attend service and then uh, we'll text back everyone and let them know what time church services will be. But uh, we are setting up a program. This this is this is um, I don't know. I feel odd about this. It's kind of embarrassing, I guess. But we are setting up a t- program where you can text to give to the church, and uh, when you text this, we'll have more information. In fact, we'll send out a a, a text tomorrow. On this, I have some information, but they asked me to hold off on this until tomorrow. But we will send out a text tomorrow that you can text to give. When you text, it sends you back a link, and it's connected to our church account. And then you just put it wherever you want. Missions, if you want to give to missions, if you want to give tithing, if you want to give to offering, the building fund, whatever category that you want to give to, and uh, make it easier in this uh, time. I think it's still good to bring your offering, but I I think it's good for us to all come together to church at the same time, and we're unable to do that. So remember those announcements. We're so glad to have uh, Brother and Sister Smith here with us, and uh, we have been enjoying them. I have, I have truly been enjoying their company, and I appreciate and love them very, very much, more than words can describe and uh, or even explain. I appreciate these people. These are uh, the greatest Christian people, some of the greatest Christian people I've ever met in my life. And I do love and appreciate them. And I, I'm glad that they're here with us at this time. They're kind of kind of stuck in limbo. And I said, there's no better place to be stuck in limbo than Sealsby, Texas. Better than being in a big city up right now, that's for sure. But uh, we are glad that they're here. We want Brother Smith to come. Let's all stand together. We'd like Sister Smith to sing if she can, and uh, we would appreciate that. But we're looking forward to the word of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as Brother Smith comes. Thank you, Brother Looper. Greetings to all the church family in the name above every name. The name of Jesus. What a privilege it is for us to be the people of the Lord Jesus Christ, called by His name, washed in His blood, filled with His Spirit, living with a blessed hope, a hope this world can't give us, and thank God they can't ever take it away from us. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for your kindness, Brother Looper. Brother and Sister Looper are wonderful people of God. You don't need me to tell you that, but I'm saying it because I want to say it. And uh, the preaching this morning, my, what a tremendous word from God that the pastor delivered with such clarity and uh, there are times when people don't know what to do. Thank God for a clear voice of direction. Just do what you know to do. 
Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for your clear voice. And it's a privilege to be with the Loopers and their family. Privilege to be with Elder and Sister Duplissy and all this church family that we've gotten to see uh, one here and one there and a few here and so forth. But anyway, it's been wonderful just to get to be with you and spend a little time together and and uh, come into this beautiful sanctuary and be able to lift up our prayers to the Lord and know that He's listening to the voice of His people. Amen. Oh, I know we can pray from home. We can pray in our automobile. We can pray anywhere we might be. But there's just something about coming into the sanctuary. And when we walk into the sanctuary, the help we receive from the Lord, there's there's a connection that's immediately made. Oh, there's nothing like being able to touch the Lord. And for him to touch us back. We'll worship the Lord with Sister Smith as she sings tonight. Amen. The songwriter said, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is tramping out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Then he said, he has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never sound retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift my soul to answer him. Be jubilant my feet, for his truth is marching on. Amen, amen, This one here? This one? Where can I turn when there's no one else to turn to? Who am I going to talk to when it seems nobody wants to listen? Who am I going to lean on when there's no foundation stable? I go to the rock. I know he's able. I go to the rock. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. Run into the mountain, and the mountain stands by me. When the earth all around me is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. Where can I hide? Till this storm above passes over, where can I run? When the winds of sorrow threaten, is there a refuge? In the time of great tribulation, when this soul needs consolation, I go 
to the rock. Sing it with me. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. Run into the mountain, and the mountain stands by me. When the earth all around me is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the a rock we can run to. There's a rock that is a strong tower. Amen. And when everything else shakes, that rock will never tremble. It's a rock that will never crumble. It's a rock that will never fail. I'm glad I'm built on the rock, Christ Jesus. Oh, the Almighty God. I love Him. I love Him. I love Him. God bless you. You may be seated. Look right into the Word of the Lord tonight. I, uh, I'm going to introduce the message this evening by reading a verse of Scripture, the seventh verse of Solomon's Song, chapter 8. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 7, which clearly states, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. Now, regardless of what comes or goes, regardless of what we face in life, whether it is what we're happy with, or what makes us uncomfortable. The Bible said many waters cannot quench love. Neither can the floods drown it. Now, I'm going to give a little introduction tonight. It might take me a few minutes, and and, uh, my wife probably would prefer that I just get into the message. But it's hard for me to get into a message without an introduction. So, here's the introduction. More than 51 years ago, I met the love of my life. I was attending a Friday night youth rally. It was in a small church in Eastport, Maine, about 50 miles from the rural fishing community where I was born and raised. All I can tell you is that something very unique happened that evening. It happened on the inside of a young man who had just turned 16. Something that a lot of people would probably call a chemistry thing. Even though I can assure everybody, I certainly didn't know 
all that much about that kind of chemistry at the time. I still don't know that I'm capable of explaining it all. However, I can tell you this, that something really happened in that out-of-the-way setting, something that I didn't actually see. And as far as I know, Nobody else saw it at the time either. However, it sure was real to me. And I can say this, nothing just like it had ever happened to me before. And to be quite honest, nothing exactly like it has ever happened since either. Within just a few weeks of initially, uh, of initially meeting that very special young lady, I attended a camp meeting, and to my great delight, Miss Donna Marie Churchill showed up there at the camp meeting, too, for the first time, mind you. I mean, it was like it was coincidence, but but I'm sure it wasn't. Supposedly, she was there to help take care of her brother's small children during camp meeting, but beyond doubt, God had greater long-term plans in mind than just a babysitting assignment. As a matter of fact, whenever the evening services, uh, uh, whenever she was asked to sing a special song in one of the evening services, she came looking for that tall, blonde-headed, blue-eyed piano player. And she was wondering if I might have just a few minutes that I could practice a song with her. Of course, the rest of the story is now family history because I've been practicing a whole lot of songs with her ever since. One evening after the camp meeting service, I decided that I would ask her if she'd like to go with me and another young couple to a little takeout diner ice cream stand in town. And to my delight, she accepted the invitation. And guess what? I think I've spent nearly a fortune since then going out to eat with her. Whenever camp meeting was over, we returned to our respective homes in different areas of the state and being separated by more than five or six hours of travel time, we began writing letters that we sent through the United States postal system to each other. Now, that's something most young people don't know anything about today. However, that's what we had to do. Most of my letters were rather lengthy epistles, to say the least, while hers were usually very short and sweet. Uh, but I'll be honest with you that whether detailed or ever so brief, the overall goal of our efforts in those uh, letters being written was certainly achieved because those Dear David, Dear Donna letters flamed, fan, uh, flamed the, uh, fanned the flames of love between the two of us. In fact, whenever I'd go to the post office and I'd receive one of those highly anticipated love letters that had been personally addressed to me by Miss Donna Marie herself, my heart would go absolutely crazy. In fact, that's probably when I began uh, dealing with arrhythmia and tachycardia. 
Cardia and AFib and the likes. In all honesty, the first thing that I do, now you got to listen, young people. The first thing I do when holding the envelope in my hand was I would check to see how the postage stamp had been affixed to the envelope. Because I knew if it was upside down, then Miss Donna was sending me a very clear message. Without having to spell it out, she was telling me she loved me. She was letting me know how she really felt. And next, I'd hold that envelope close enough to my nose to verify if perhaps Miss Donna had sprayed it with the kind of perfume that she knew I liked. Well, I'm just being honest with you. That's been a long, long time ago. Uh, oh, yes, another bit of information that I really should mention is the fact that the envelope had to be opened very, very carefully. I had to cut it along the top or down one of the side edges so that it could be uh, for safekeeping. Once I'd read that letter, I wanted to tuck it back into the envelope. Of course, by the time I finally got the letter open, I was experiencing a major adrenaline rush. Uh, kind of like it would be if I was running a marathon and I was out in the front and I was within just a few yards of the finish line. Well, that's how I felt. Anyway, I assure you the words of every sentence that she wrote uh, were carefully noted by me because every paragraph contained information that was very important. As far as I was concerned, in fact, whether it was one page, two pages, or three handwritten in length, I would read each and every line until by the time I folded it up and tucked it back into that envelope, I could quote verbatim every word that Miss Donna had written to me. Uh, the little postal substation that was in our end of the town, was just a short sprint from my house. However, as soon as I got home, I raced upstairs to my bedroom, I closed the door, I took that letter back out of the envelope again, and it didn't matter that I already knew just exactly what it said. I wanted to read it again. And I wanted to reread it some more, time and time again, until... The next letter would arrive in the mail. And then, of course, the very same process went into motion all over again. Now, I need to tell somebody in the house tonight, because there is a spiritual application here. If you haven't connected yet, I'm going to try to get there in just a few moments. But I do want to tell you this. Rereading the very same letter over and over again was absolutely a thrilling and gratifying experience to me as a young man. In fact, while I, I knew had every Every word memorized to the extent that I knew precisely what every sentence was going to say before I ever reread it amazingly. I would discover something more profound in those familiar words 
of the same old lines every single time that I read them. It's kind of like rereading these letters right here between the covers of this black book. You can quote them. You can know them inside, out, upside down, frontwards and backwards. But if you're really in love with the author, every time you read it, you're going to find something special, something more that comes into view. In addition to corresponding by snail mail, uh, I made numerous road trips to her distant part of the state, way up on the Canadian border. And uh, while such ventures weren't as often as I really would have liked for them to be, they did certainly prove to be memorable visits for me. In fact, I would willingly, uh, this was way back there in time. I said I had just turned 16, so here we go. I would willingly board a smoke-filled Greyhound bus and travel for hours through little podunk, podunk towns in northern Maine to finally arrive in the city of Caribou where Donna's brother pastored a church and then... I'd go stay with him and his wife and three squabbling girls. Since that her brother pastored a small assembly, while I was there, I'd buy groceries for the entire family. I'd take them all out to eat. I'd even fill his gas tank with fuel so that I could use his car and go spend some time with Donna Marie whenever she wasn't working. And, uh, see, she was a little bit older than me, so she'd already been to some college and, and was working a job. I just got to put this all in. I don't want to leave out any pieces and leave you hanging. All right, so here we are. Uh, truthfully, there had to be a single reason why I willingly did all of those, all of those out of the ordinary things. And that one single reason was a love flame. Uh, it was burning inside of this young man and one way or the other. I was determined to be with Miss Donna Marie Churchill, even though it meant spending extra money, facing a whole lot of inconvenience, traveling over two lane Roads during major snowstorms. Now you have to realize this is way back in time, in the late 60s, more than 50 years ago, long before the days of cell phones, email texting, or various other means of modern technology for that matter. Nevertheless, an occasional phone call via those old-fashioned Landlines became a dream come true whenever I could make it happen, regardless of the cost, which surprisingly proved to be rather expensive in those days. Truthfully, when such calls were successful, it wasn't necessary for Donna to say all of that much as long as I could simply hear her breathing on the other end of the line. You see, those phone calls were just another way of me spending time with her and her spending time with me, regardless of the miles that separated us or the price tag on the call. 
with Donna living way up in northern Maine on the Canadian border, working in a potato plant, and me attending college by then, 2,500 miles away from her down here in the state of Texas. What was money? Even if I had to beg or borrow a little from my older brothers. You see, there was a fire that was burning inside of me. And it was far more than a flickering flame. In fact, by the time that I'm preaching about tonight, that fire had become a flaming torch. Subsequently, while merely 18 years old and in college, we set a date to be married. And so it happened on August the 28th, 1971, the nuptial knot was tied during a church ceremony in Donna's hometown. I still recall the aura of the occasion uh, because it seemed to me that magic was in the air. Whenever my bride stepped through those entrance doors into the sanctuary, attired in a flowing white wedding gown with her face completely veiled, it was a breathtaking occasion. And it was a moment in time never to be forgotten by me. And now nearly 49 years later, there are absolutely no regrets whatsoever. In fact, I do it all over again just to relive the day and to have the very same opportunity for Miss Donna Marie to become my wedded wife. Amen. I truly believe that the only medicine needed to cure a lot of marriage ills in this day is for people to fall in love all over again. No, not with somebody new. Not with somebody else, but with the very same person you married however many years ago. In all honesty, the best cure for marital problems today merely has to do with tending the fire. And by the way, whatever fan love flames and love fires back when you were courting can transform a flickering flame into a flaming torch once again. No doubt somebody in this very meeting or listening to this service needs to recall the magic of what I refer to as chemistry. In fact, it may be long overdue, but perhaps you should write another letter. And when you do so, slow down long enough to pay close attention as to how you affix the postage stamp to the envelope. And by the way, you might even want to spray a little perfume or cologne on the stationery and its envelope as well. And of course, all that might be necessary is that you would just simply dig out some old love letters. Yeah, we got boxes of them, Elder. We got, I had my box and my wife had her big box because her box had to be much bigger than mine for those long epistles. But 
Our children would come downstairs snickering and laughing because they'd been up there in those boxes of love letters. And they were reading what Daddy wrote to Mama all those years ago and what Mother was writing to Daddy. Nothing to be ashamed of. They were good love letters. What I'm trying to say is maybe you ought to dig out some of those old love letters that that you wrote however many years ago and read them and read them again until words start leaping off the pages and come back to life again. Read them until a fire is rekindled and it begins to burn on the inside like it did way back in the beginning. Uh Looking into the book of Revelation just for a moment, let me give you a text. I read an introductory scripture, but let me give you a text. Revelation chapter 2 verse 1, where the Lord said to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right, now go to verse 2. He said, I have somewhat against thee because you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works, or else, he said, I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. My title for this message, if you haven't figured it out by now, is simply this, a flickering flame or a flaming torch. In Old Testament times, God called Abram from his homeland, called him away from his kindred and familiar surroundings, saying that he wanted to make of him a great nation. As a result, Abraham and his descendants became God's chosen people. How very, very much God loved them. And how much God desired intimacy and closeness of relationship with them. He brooded over them, providing for them, protecting them, fighting for them. And whenever they strayed from the right way, God would forgive them and gently woo them back to his side. Unfortunately, however, it becomes more than apparent that Jehovah God loved his people a whole lot more than they actually loved him in return. As a matter of fact, over and over again, Israel trespassed against God, and in time her love for him diminished to nothing than a flickering flame. Sadly, the love affair between Israel and Jehovah became just a matter of convenience for her. As she reached in his direction only when wanting something, but pushing him further and further away whenever so many other things seemed more appealing to Israel. In spite of God's intense love for His people, Israel backslid time and time again. Israel toyed with His love until she desperately needed Him and really wanted a response to her urgent plea. And then He merely replied 
with heartbreaking retort that we find in the 10th chapter of Judges, verse number 11, when he said to them, Did I not deliver you from all of your adversaries? When they oppressed you and you cried unto me, did I not deliver you out of their hand? Yet you have forsaken me, and you have served other gods, wherefore I'll deliver you no more. Can you imagine such stinging words coming from the Lord to His beloved? He said in verse 14, Go now and cry unto the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you. In your time of tribulation. What a sad state of affairs indeed. But let me explain just exactly how it happened. Israel took her love for God and his reciprocal love for them completely for granted. Israel assumed that love would always be there. However, by the time of this particular account that I just read, God had had enough. According to Jeremiah chapter 2, God's people blatantly walked out on God's love for them, forgetting that it was purely God's goodness that brought them out of Egyptian bondage into the land of promise. And over time, they defiled the land, making his heritage an abomination. Furthermore, all too soon, the Israelites settled for mere substitutes. And the Lord said in verse number 11, Hath a nation changed their gods, which are no gods? Yet my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Now, I pray this evening that God would help me to help somebody understand that mere substitutes can never truly replace what is real. Clearly, Israel had, Israel gave up a fountain of living water for broken cisterns that couldn't even hold water. If only she would have loved God with all of her heart, with all of her soul, mind, and strength, then Israel never would have turned from the fountain of living water. However, in the very first chapter of his prophecy, verse number 4, Isaiah expresses with great clarity exactly what happened to God's people in ages past whenever he said, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, Children that are corruptors, they've forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They have gone away backward. Sad to say, but whenever husbands and wives take love for granted that in the beginning, 
cemented their relationship together, then they position themselves in a most precarious place. As a matter of fact, by their own doings, they construct the very stage upon which a substitute will soon perform. Turning attention now to New Testament Scripture, the greatest love story ever told unfolds on the pages of the gospel records found in books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Therein we witness the creator of the universe as he came with a fleshly body into the very world he created in order to redeem fallen man from destruction and to pave the way for all of us to come back to him. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, and we can all quote it, God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John chapter 15, verse 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And that, my brother, my sister, is precisely what God Almighty did for every one of us. As a matter of fact, in the fifth chapter of Romans, verse number 8, we're told that God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a beautiful love story, to say the least. But you know, According to the first chapter of John's Gospel, verse number 10, the man Christ Jesus was in the world. The world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. Uh, furthermore, the very next verse reveals that when He came to His own, His own received Him not. The reason being, by then, Israel's love for her God was merely a flicker, if that. They had truly walked out on Him, and they failed to recognize that His love was still reaching in their direction one more time. Thus, Israel's God looked to those who were not even a people as He turned for, from a chosen race to Gentiles, to take out of them or us a people for His name's sake. At Calvary, what was lost in Adam was redeemed by the Lord Jesus Himself. In fact, God loved humankind so very much so that He not only gave His life on the cross that day, but He kept on giving and giving and giving more of Himself. He willingly gave His back. He gave His brow. He gave His hands. He gave His feet. He gave His blood. He gave His all to redeem a people who then He could call. His very own. By means of His vicarious death and atoning blood, God Himself 
purchased a church, a bride, a people who were indeed the walking, talking, living, breathing uh, body of Jesus Christ upon earth. Truly the apple of God's eye. Furthermore, his banner over this church is always going to be love. But how is it that his people, even we of this hour, so often fail to remember where he's brought us from? And all too quickly, we tend to forget his goodness toward us. For this very reason, the lover of your soul and mine uttered a clear directive to the church at Ephesus. And once again, I reference pointed words as the Lord Jesus said, I know everything there is to know about you. I know your good points and I commend you for them. Nevertheless, he said to the church at Ephesus, I have somewhat against thee because you've left your first love. One particular translation renders it this way. He said, there's just one thing wrong. You don't love me like you did at the first. It's very different now, he said, but think about your first love and turn back to me again. I hope I can effectively challenge all of us. Everybody under the sound of my voice this evening. Jesus Christ himself issued a most profound prophecy concerning the day and the hour in which we presently live. When he said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12, because iniquity shall abound. He said, the love of many shall wax cold. More than 50 years ago, I, I remember as a young man attending a youth camp where Brother O.C. Mahler, a, a young man then, was the evangelist in, in the camp. In uh, one of his messages, he related a story that I've Never forgotten. One that impacted me very strongly at the time and has remained with me for the rest of my life. The story was about a couple that I will simply call John and Mary. I, uh, their names were not so important as the story itself. Although happily married and enjoying life together one day, Mary became very ill, and she was diagnosed with a terminal disease, which over time produced such disability until continual home health care became a vital commodity for her. Of course, John loved Mary very dearly, and at the outset of her declining condition, he looked forward to getting home from work each evening so they could spend cherished moments together with each other. However, with passing time, as the progression of Mary's disease dragged on and on, her body uh, weakened to a point where she was totally bedridden. And 
dependent upon the help of those who assisted with her daily needs. By then, it seemed like a great deal of output on John's part without receiving a whole lot of virtue in return. Actually, the entire scenario uh, soon became very taxing for John, so much so until he found it easier to remain at work longer hours, taking on the added responsibilities at the job site and spending far less time at home in the evening with Mary. Of course, beyond question, he, he really loved Mary. However, everyday life just wasn't the same as it was before. And one on one, and the one on one that they had enjoyed for so many years seemed rather distant by then. Little by little, with passing time, John buried himself with responsibilities at the office. And, and often by the time he reached home, it was late in the evening, so much so until Mary, whose limited strength was easily depleted, was already sleeping by then. Therefore, the very best that she received from John was his hand on her brow or maybe a few strokes on the back of her hand, uh, a few brief words of kindness, a kiss on the cheek, and then, uh, good night, Mary. I'll see you tomorrow. Truthfully, those few moments in time didn't seem to do so much for John. But for Mary, they meant everything. Because John was still her knight in shining armor. And from the moment he'd leave in the early morning until he returned at whatever time in the evening, she was anxiously awaiting his arrival. It was actually the high point of her entire day. And while the body was debilitated and physical strength was ever waning, yet those brief moments in time uh, of simply being together were a breath of fresh air to Mary. Finally, departure day was at hand. And while there was really no way of knowing for sure John really expected the day to be more or less the same as before. And so whenever he left for work that morning, he simply waved so long and he said, I'll see you this evening, Mary, when I get home. And with that, he was out the door and off to work. The workday got extended even more so than usual, and John remained at the office to catch up on some very important work. And thus, by the time he finally got home that evening, it was very late. Immediately upon entering the house, he went right to Mary's room. And uh, he was there, of course, for the typical evening routine. However, and notice I said routine because... Life can become a routine. Living for God can become a routine. 
And so he rushed into the room for the evening routine. However, as he stepped through the door, he knew instantly that something was strangely different. Very quickly, he discovered that Mary wasn't breathing. In fact, he couldn't find a pulse at all. And while the body was still warm and there was still color in her cheeks, really, Mary was gone. And all that remained of John's beloved wife was the corpse. In all honesty, she must have departed only moments before. And on the nightstand next to her bed was a scrawly note that simply said, I I hoped you'd make it in time, but couldn't wait any longer. I'll love you forever, Mary. As you can imagine, it was a real downer for John as he felt Mary's disappointment. In fact, in the days and the weeks that followed, John would oftentimes leave work early. He'd make his way to the cemetery where Mary had been laid to rest. Repeatedly, he'd carry flowers in his hand, and then he'd lie down on the ground of her grave himself. Anyone who may have been within here in distance would probably hear him say words like, I'm sorry, Mary. I, I, I really wish I could relive those last few months, those weeks and days of time. And he'd tell her over and over again just how very much he loved her. But the truth of the matter was this. Whenever John could have left work to spend time with Mary, he allowed himself to become preoccupied with other things. And when he could have brought brought flowers home for her to enjoy, it seemed he was busy doing other things. So by then, he was living with regret. And regardless of what he said or what he did, there was absolutely no response coming back from Mary. In closing tonight, I, I want to try to tie this together. I told you how it all began for Miss Donna Marie and David Raymond. I, I've laid out some things from the Old Testament, from the New Testament. I then told you a story of life becoming routine. In closing, I want to share the prayer of a man that's given me a better perspective of my everyday life and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Lord, I've so often mistreated you. Whenever I wanted you, I'd simply call and you'd show up. When having to do challenging work, I'd beckon for you to come and help me perform the task. Oftentimes, I've even used you as a servant to help me carry out self-appointed plans. But he said, I shall do so no more. From now on, I'm going to give you all of me from head to toe. I give to you my hands, my feet. I give to you my eyes, my voice, and even the very thoughts of my mind. 
I'm giving you all that I am. I surrender to you, and I'm asking that you do with me as you please. You can send me to a faraway land, or you can lay my body on a bed of terminal illness. You can blind my eyes or have me carry your message to distant regions of the world. You can send me to people that nobody else cares anything about. Or you can set me aside on a forgotten shelf somewhere. However, from this moment onward, everything about me belongs to you. And you can do with me exactly as you choose. You know, those are wonderful words. But it's not always as easy to keep the promise of those kind of words. Unless we're very, very sure that that love flame remains a flaming torch instead of just a flickering flame. We also who are here in this Sunday night meeting and those that are listening from wherever you're listening to this service, we also need to give God everything. We need to give Him not mere leftovers, of day-to-day life. I wonder, do we love Him like we once did? Do we really love Him like we should? Or has what used to be a flaming torch now diminished to a flickering flame? Far too many so-called Christians of the present day want privilege without responsibility. They'll gladly wear the crown, but don't seem very willing to carry the cross. They want everything to be sweet, but they loathe the taste of bitterness. Embracing delight, they easily forget about duty. May God challenge David Smith afresh tonight. May God challenge all of us in this setting, whether in this building or wherever you may be listening from. May He challenge us anew. A day is soon to come when everyone's work is going to be tried so as by Fire. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, the day shall declare it. Perhaps someone needs to trim the wick of the lamp that burns right now. What about replenishing the fuel supply in this setting? As a matter of fact, all it might take To make a very big difference this evening is for someone in the house to fan some smoldering embers and the love flame will begin to burn brightly once again. You can stand with me. No doubt someone merely needs to revisit Calvary and recall 
once again the agony, the betrayal, the false witness, the mockery, the beating, the spit and humiliation, the crown of thorns, the scourging, the nails in his hands and feet, the pain, the forgiveness, death. Truthfully, all that the man Christ Jesus faced in that lonely setting was not for himself, but it was for me and it was for you because he truly loved us that much. But I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how it is with our love flame tonight. I wonder if anybody feels a need to pray. To pray a prayer, take all of me, Lord. Take everything I have, take all I am. I never want my love for you to become a flickering flame. Rather, it has to be a flaming torch. Heads bowed. Wherever you're at, looking in God's direction. Letting your heart be tuned to the voice of God. I wonder if there's somebody tonight that remembers and it's not quite like it used to be. It can be. It's all about tending the fire. It's all about keeping that fire burning. Keeping love a flaming torch and never allowing it to diminish to a flickering flame. I believe all of us could find a place to pray tonight. I believe whether it's in your seat, whether it's in your home, whether it's in this altar, wherever you would make a place to meet with God, I wonder if we could talk to Him just for a few moments tonight. If we'd make sure the way is clear, that the door of our heart is wide open to Him. That He can do whatever He chooses to do with us. Come on. Come on. How long has it been since you've read those love letters and the words have leaked off the pages to you? How long has it been since you felt your heart go pitter-pat and you felt, you felt the flutter because of His presence so close and so near to you? I promise everybody under the sound of my voice tonight, if you keep the fire burning, if you keep it a flaming torch, you won't have to worry about the struggles of today or the future. You won't have to worry about the disappointments of any day in the past or any day to come because your love for God will keep you pressing on, pressing forward, walking with Him, talking with Him, being ready to meet Him on the day when the trumpet sounds. And he calls his church out of this world to be with him. Don't let it just be a story of yesteryear. 
Even if it goes back 50, 60 years ago, don't let it be a story of the past. You've got to keep it fresh. You've got to keep the love fires burning.
singing together right now. Everybody, why don't we all stand, lift our hands and our voices toward God. Everybody lift your voice right now and sing it together. Let's lift our hands and give God praise for His Word. God, we thank You for Your Word tonight, God. Thank You for Your Word tonight. Thank You for Your Spirit tonight. Thank You, God, for Your encouragement tonight. I want to fall in love with You. God, I want my love for You to be a flaming torch, God, not a flickering flame. Oh, hallelujah. Why don't you pray that prayer, God? Set my love on fire for you again, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Thank you, Brother Smith, for the wonderful word from the Lord tonight. Amen. Thank you so much for talking to us. I want to encourage you today. The devil would like nothing more in these moments of distraction, weeks and possibly months of distraction that you would have grow cold in the Lord. 
And that flaming fire will go out in your life. But determine in your heart and your soul, during this time I will not grow cold and move away from God, but I will draw closer to God. Give up, no way, no how. Stop serving God. He's been way too good to me to serve, to stop serving Him. God is so good. God is so good. And I thank you, Brother Smith, for the word of the Lord tonight. I want to do more for God. I want to be more dedicated and consecrated to God. I want my life to be pleasing to Him. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness to the house of God. All of those who have joined us tonight on the broadcast, thank you very much. If you would, turn that off, Nathaniel, just a moment. Remember, services will be here Wednesday night again. And uh, remember to 